Welcome to Business Matters with host Rob Capello, a podcast where we open the conversation on what matters for business. We would like to thank your sponsor, Valley First, a division of First West Credit Union and a member-owned financial cooperative serving the Okanagan, Similkameen, and Thompson regions. They offer a wide range of banking and investment services for individuals and families. Valley First also has a talented business and commercial team to provide the expertise, products, and services local businesses need to grow and thrive. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Business Matters, presented by Valley First, the division of First West Credit Union. My name is Rob Capello. I'm the Chief Strategy Officer at Now Media Group. Today, we welcome Sheena Sanders to Business Matters. Sheena is a wealth planning specialist at Valley First, and we're just talking about titles about two minutes ago, so maybe we'll explore that a little bit more. Uh, Sheena, thanks for joining me today. Look forward to our discussion. Yeah, me too. Thank you so much for having me. No problem. Um, so, you know, as, as we're preparing sort of for today's uh, call, um, you know, I was looking at, you know, changes that businesses can go through. So either business income, whether adding new employee, or maybe they're thinking about succession planning, um, or even on the other side, there's changes in family. You got a new child on the way or a child that's going to university. So your financial picture is always evolving. And, and we know through the pandemic, we went through you know, everything from, you know, working from home and the way you interact with families changed and, and, you know, and the way you invest maybe has changed as well. So I was looking at sort of the value of working with a financial planner or a wealth planning specialist and, you know, someone that really understands your business and your personal life and, and, and the importance of, you know, really understanding the global market and, and started thinking about the topic of today being, you know, really looking at getting a second opinion on your investment. And the reasons why you would do it. We all know that life is uncertain, uncertain all the time and new challenges. So having a proper strategy in place is so important. So, so we have lots to cover um, around that topic. So let's get started. Um, I'm curious, you know, just before we kind of get into the nitty gritty of it is, you know, what are you seeing and hearing right now from businesses, and the people, your clients, and like, what's, what's the sentiment out there right now in sort of the, the business world and your environment? Well, actually, I had a meeting with our business banker team yesterday, and I was asking them because they're mostly on the ground meeting with our business owners. And it's funny because they really felt like, you know, our business owners here had a really good pulse on what was happening and felt really comfortable navigating what, what's happened over the last year. And, um, you know, I think that really speaks volumes to the advisors and the teams that they deal with, because hopefully they've been reaching out and having some really great conversations to position them to get through, you know, those, those hard times that everyone have, had last year. But um, mostly it's growth. Like, the Okanagan has just been crazy. Yeah. Like businesses are having their record years this year, which is insane. I mean, the, the economy here has been doing really great. So it's been, a, it's been a weird year. It's been kind of an anomaly, right? Well, I find that we're, we're in a little bit of a bubble in the Okanagan. Like, so when, you know, I think I heard and this, is, I'll get this wrong, but when the economy is great worldwide, we do really well. When the economy is bad worldwide, we do really well. So it's, it's <laughs> like we, we, we have this little bit of a, a bubble that, uh, knock on wood, that we were able to to avoid those big dips. So, which is mm -hmm. good. I mean, in your in your seat and hearing it. So um, we we're talking about this before we went live. So what does a wealth planning specialist do? Like what's that role? And, you know, you mentioned sort of financial planners and other way to sort of another trim. So what's sort of your day-to-day -day role with your, with your clients? Yeah, my, my role is, is very unique. I'm the only one of me within um, first West right now. And um, 
I'll, I'll kind of walk you through, I guess, the day in the life of, of yeah. UPS. Um, I um, see and deal 100% with our business owners. So um, I work with the commercial hubs in Penticton, Vernon, and downtown Kelowna. And all of the people that I deal with planning with are all business owners. So that's unique in, in the way that I don't cover a whole bunch of branches like some of our other WPSs. Right. And um, still doing personal planning because of course your business stuff and your personal stuff is so intertwined when you're a business owner. Yeah. But um, but it's unique in the fact that, yeah, it's all commercial uh, relationships. And, and yeah, so we're really trying to take care of those of those commercial relationships that we've done a really good job at building at the, in the past. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so a lot of it is, is looking at the business, um, you know, maybe where it is today and where the strategic plan is sort of to take it, um, what, you know, affects the business. And, and I think you mentioned succession planning, that's always a big topic because as a business owner, again, your business is a lot of the time your biggest financial asset. And so, um, you know, there's a lot of focus on that and a lot of collaboration <laughs> The other advisors and the other team that uh, that business owners deal with. Interesting. So, why did you choose that path of of working with business owners? Like, what 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 made you? Because you know, I would assume with the role you're in, you you could have went to different paths, personal side or whatever it may be. So, why the business focus? Well, I I guess there's two reasons. Number one, I love a challenge. <laughs> um, number two, as a financial planner, you're still really a generalist. You kind of are expected and should know a lot about a lot of things. And so I really wanted to hone in and focus and sort of have a niche or a specialty. And so that's why that's why I kind of um, steered the focus towards business owners. And I would say, I mean, there's a lot of, when you start looking at the statistics and stuff, there's a lot of people that put all their blood, sweat and tears and money in, and into these businesses that are helping our communities grow um, and our economy grow. And then they never really get to reap the benefits of that right. long term. Um, so, you know, it's really helping those people get what they deserve for all that work that they've done for a really long time. Right. Interesting. And, and what got you into the industry? Like how, how the why or how did you get into this whole industry to begin with? Mm, I'm so glad you asked that because it's it's a really interesting, weird path. And I'd say okay. all of the learnings and experiences that I've had along the journey have really helped me be really great at this role and this job. Um, so I had a totally different career in my 20s. I've actually managed a pet resort. Oh, um, wow. So at, yeah, <laughs> at 25, I think it was, I was the... Uh, operational manager of a very large pet resort in Calgary. Um, and we had about 45 staff. Uh, we housed like 400 dogs, um, 100 cats, pigs, birds, all the, all the different animals. Um, and so I did that role for in total for about seven years. And then I decided that I was going to go overseas and travel. And one of my good friends in Calgary, her best friend growing up, um, headed a, a department of the United Nations in Australia. And philanthropy was always a big piece of, of me and, and something that I found a lot of happiness in. And, and so I thought if I could have an opportunity to go to Australia and work for United Nations, I am totally going to jump on that. And so I connected with her. She said, yeah, no problem. You come here. I'll give you a job. Um, so that's what I did. I went overseas and, and traveled a bit. I think I went to about nine or 10 countries in that trip, but ended up in Australia working for United Nations High Commission for Refugees, which was a crazy enlightening experience like working alongside people that grew up in refugee camps and just you know learning about their life and journey and and um how different it was from somebody that grew up in 
Calgary, Alberta, and like, you know, thought, oh my God, this is the way that the world is. And of course that's not the case. <laughs> so when I came back to Canada, I really had an option to choose what kind of career path I wanted to, to do. And I knew that community and philanthropy had to be a piece of it because I really found a piece of myself in that role. And so um, a good friend of mine was working for a credit union. She's like, you know, we do so much in the community. You know, we do all these things. You can, you can totally be involved that way, but also have a career. And, uh, you know, take some of those values and those learnings and be able to apply it in a, in a role that you can really impact people. And so I was like, okay, I'll give it six months. I started as a teller, you know, six months in, I was like, okay, I can see, you know, where this could go. And so I immediately started, you know, night school, I got my uh, investment license, and then I started my certified financial planning designation right after that. So it was just, you know, it felt right. And, and um, yeah, it was just bang, bang, bang. Interesting. What an interesting journey. Weird, eh? I know. Today, you started, it sounded like you started working on Noah's Ark with all the animals you were saying. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, yeah. That's interesting. Well, but but I guess that gives you a really good understanding too when you're when you're managed, like you you can come at it from both sides, right? You, you're, you're almost like a business owner at the time, right? So you're, yeah, you, you get you get the financial side of, of when you're talking to business owners, so. Yeah, we really, that, that, um, that pet kennel um, pet resort was actually started from the ground up. So mm-hmm. me and the other manager were the first people there. We hired all the staff, wrote all the manuals. So I very much, got it, and very early on, got a picture of what that was like. Right. Um, and um, yeah, it was a crazy experience. Like those first two years were just interesting. <laughs> so um, the topic we want to chat about today is is around like the opportunity to get second opinions and forth on your investment. So. You know, why would a business need a second opinion? Like, what 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 would what would be say for from your perspective why someone would would need to have a second opinion on their investments? I think there's a lot of reasons, and and it's not going to be the same for anybody. But um, there's no harm in getting a second opinion done, and we typically do that with all of our large decisions, right? So if you're going to do a renovation, or if you're going to buy a home or or a vehicle, you typically shop around and look at those things. Um, especially when it comes to your health, you know, you, when you're making big decisions, you want to have a second opinion. So I think that it's important from that perspective. And at the end of the day, one of two things is going to happen. You're either going to get clarity on the fact that you are on the right path. You know, you're paying a good amount of fees, your investments are structured properly. You're taking advantage of all the different tax advantages that you might have, or the latter, which is going to be that you need to make a change. And so, you know, I don't see aside from sacrificing a couple hours that there isn't a reason to have one. So I think it's always a good idea. Um, what would prompt one could be a number of different things. Um, in 2018, we had some pretty big changes to the tax situation within a corporate structure. So some people haven't had the ability to actually sit down and look at that yet. And, and maybe they've been tied up, you know, head in the sand working like an entrepreneur does, right? Um, so yeah, they, uh, they may need to just make sure that everything's structured properly that way, or they could have had a life event, right? And, and right. Their plan and, and their path has changed a bit. Interesting. So um, what does that process look like? So when, if, if you're, if you're as a business owner, when I come to meet with you, what happens during that meeting? Like what are, what are some of the things that you discuss? I'm so glad that you asked because I think some people, you know, think of it as the unknown and it's like, well, I don't know what's going to happen and, and, you know, it's going to take too long or whatever. And it actually can be a very emotional taxing event for somebody. So my 
outlook and, and job is really to make it as easy and, um, you know, as flowing as possible. So I would say the first time that you meet with your financial planner, or if you met with me, it would be, you know, we're going to be having a really big conversation about who you are, what your goals are, who your family is, what your future looks like, you know, what do you, where do you want to be in five, 10, 15 years? Um, it's, it's going to be, it might feel a little bit like an interview because there's a lot of questions, but it's really just to get to know the person that's in front of you because financial planning is not a one size fits all. It's, it needs to be very individualized. And so after we have a really good grasp of that, we're going to take, we're going to obviously get some, some specific numbers and statements and find out, you know, where you are as far as tax position goes and investments goes, et cetera. But we're going to take that away and do an analysis sort of in the background, run a few different scenarios, given the goals that you have and, and you know, your, your values that you have. And then we'll meet again and present those options to you. So really, you know, make sure you have all the knowledge you need to make a very informed decision about, uh, you know, going forward about your financial picture. So that piece is, is really um, the fun part for me. I like the problem solving piece and, um, it's fun to, you know, go through the scenarios and show people how they can get to kind of where they want to be. And then the biggest part is, is really the implementation. So that's a part of the piece that people forget a lot of the time. <laughs> they come in and they like do all this work and they, you know, feel like they've got some knowledge under their belt, but then they don't actually implement any of the changes. And so that is for sure uh, one of the biggest pieces that's very important. We'll usually lean on some specialists at that time, whether it be, you know, consulting with your accountant or your lawyer, or maybe some specialists within the bank that we need to, um, that we need to lean on. And then um, it's going to, we're going to really be setting up a follow-up schedule and making sure that we're reviewing and assessing the strategies going forward to make sure they're achieving what we want to happen. And in, in, in that region, are you, um, you're focusing, you're not just focused on the best business investments. You're looking at the whole picture, what's going on in someone's personal and their family and their personal investments and all that as well. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, the investments is just one piece. So I would say uh, the goals and who you are as a person is number one, because that's going to really determine what's important to you. Right. And then we're going to look at all those, those, um, the numbers, I guess you could say. So maybe yeah. that's investments, but also again, the tax piece, income level, all of that kind of stuff. We're also going to be planning in the event that there's something that happens that we don't, we can't plan for, we don't know, like a disability or something like that. So we're protecting the plan that way. Um, and then we'll also look at estate planning. And if you're a business owner, absolutely succession planning. Interesting. And so how do you fit in? You mentioned sort of accountants and lawyers, like, so where do you fit into that equation? Like when you're sitting down with a client for a review or whatever it may be, do you, do you actually reach out to the lawyers and accountants? Do you bring them into the equation as well? Yeah, we had a meeting actually last week where it was virtual and we had three representatives from the accounting firm on and myself and the commercial lender and um, you know, really got the, the inside scoop on this individual's uh, situation so that we could provide the best advice possible. So I, I like to think as, so first of all, we all, of course, have our own specialties. And mm -hmm. I think we are best used combined collaboratively so that we can provide that really good advice to the member. Um, I like to think, I'll speak from the financial planning view, because that's kind of where I kind of fit into the picture. We're more of the, the whole picture or bird's eye view of everything that's going on, right? So we don't focus on just one of those pieces, which you kind of mentioned in your last question, which would be like maybe investments right. or an accountant will really focus on tax, right? 
So we will actually look at all of those pieces and, and figure out how they're all going to fit in together. So it's, it's much more of a, a whole picture view. So when, um, I guess, when would a person know or what are some warning signs to say, yeah, you know, it's time for a second opinion? Like what, what, because sometimes we get busy in our own life and, and don't look at that stuff. So what, what are some triggers that you think that could be like, oh, uh, that, you know, maybe I should go have a look at this? Yeah. Um, again, if anything's really changed with your situation, it might be a time to review everything. But I think what happens a lot of the time is advisors do a really good job of providing the value that the person expects at the beginning. And then maybe over time, they don't feel like they're getting that same individualized advice. Right. So if you feel like your advice has become a little bit more mundane or you're not getting value for what you're paying for, I think it's a really good idea to review. Um, obviously, whenever there's changes, um, tax-wise, it's a really good idea to review. So we've got the federal budget um, announcements probably coming out here in March, I would assume, um, unless they postpone again, but we'll see. And, and of course, you really want to dig in and make sure that you're positioned properly and, and review everything if, um, if some big changes happen on that side. Okay. Um, you mentioned sort of things change. So I would assume even in your world, things are changing. So how do you stay relevant? Like, how do you stay? Is there, is there courses you have to take? Is there like personal development? Like, how does that work for an, in, in what you do? Yeah, I am one of those people that are like a sponge. So <laughs> I love to reach out and I want to know all the things. Right. So uh, a couple of different ways. I, uh, I'm a big, big podcast listener. Love to do that. Um, I... Something that's maybe interesting is I actually don't watch the news. And that is something that I've chosen not to do because right. I think that a lot of the information that's on there can be um, can be emotional and it, it can actually change, you know, your outlook on things when, when maybe it really doesn't need to. And so I like to go right to the facts and, and, and the source, I guess you could say. I am always in school. I'm actually taking my international wealth management uh, certification right now. And I've pretty much been in school like my whole adult life. <laughs> so anything that we can do and, you know, to, to grow and learn and make sure that we're providing the best advice possible to the group of people that I deal with, that I'm down for. It's an, it's an, a never ending journey. Yeah. Always learning. Yes. Um, when I was reading your profile, I believe on LinkedIn, you, you it references says uh, you're deeply passionate about making financial planning engaging, sustainable, with a focus on responsible impact and inv impact investing. What does impact investing mean? Like, what what, what does that term mean um, to a consumer? So, I think there's probably a um, like an actual definition for impact right. investing. But what I the easiest way to try to explain it is it's I think of our dollars as our way to vote on something. So if we were to put our dollars into something, it's our us choosing where to, you know, support, right? right. And so if you have the ability, um, you know, maybe it is to use your investments to make that vote, then you can really impact something with those dollars further than just, you know, growing your money or, or earning money or, um, you know, growing your investments. You can actually make an impact that way. And so collectively, we all have you know, the ability to pool our, our dollars together and really, you know, use that as a voice for change. And so this, that piece for me is really where my values and that history from the United Nations uh, and that passion are able to intertwine into this finance world, right? Because I've spent a lot of time thinking about like, how do I, 
you know, um, you know, help things get better and, and have this like philanthropy or service focus while also working at, you know, a bank and, and or a credit union, right? So um, it's, it's interesting. But I think that if you're a business, I'll give you an example of something that I came across. So if you're a business, let's say that, um, that focuses on um, renewable plastics or something like that. So your mission and your strategic plan is, you know, to go out and, and reduce one use plastics and you're out there doing that all the time. Well, if you've got RSPs and investments and within your whole co or whatever that are invested in the markets, you, I would hope, have a really good pulse on what companies that you're investing in within those. Investments. Right. Because if you're, you know, then investing in these one use plastic companies, while your strategic mission of your business is to eliminate those, you're probably counteracting some of the work that you're doing there. So I love the idea of helping people align their investments with their values. I think that that's, um, that's really important. And um, people feel like they, they've get, they're really happy and, and comfortable with that. Um, I also, I would say that um, when I was really young, I remember feeling like this stuff was so out of my realm. Like it was like alphabet soup, like it, like English, but wasn't English. I just didn't understand what's going on. So I truly believe that everyone has the ability to learn this stuff and knowledge is really power. And, and so my hope is that in our meetings that I, people leave there with that light bulb saying, oh yeah, like I can do this. This makes sense. And, um, they feel empowered that way. Interesting. Yeah. So, and I, I think that's so unique and that's great that you're, you, you have that look at it. Cause it, I think it gives people, maybe people don't think that they could even do that in a portfolio, but is there, um, uh, do clients, do they have to give up a potential return in order to invest responsibly? Is, is that like, you know, or, or like, well, I you know I need to invest in these big brands because that's where my return is going to be. Or is that a misnomer? Well, uh, that is the point that is argued nonstop. <laughs> there is a lot of data to uh, support the idea that you do not have to give up returns to also do. You can do well while doing good. Right, right. right. Now, I, there's other data, I think, that that says that, oh, if you weren't in these, you know, these other investments that, um, you know, you might have sacrificed something. But from everything that I can see and look back on, and and I think that you can absolutely still do really well while focusing on that. Um, I, On a personal side, and this was a TED Talk that I saw really early on in the responsible investment journey, but is another example of, of how this can really help align with who you are as a person. And it was an oncologist on a lung cancer unit who had found out that her pension, so this was in Australia, and so it was her superannuation, um, her pension was actually being invested in tobacco companies. So 95% of her patients were dying of lung, lung cancer, mm -hmm. while her investment dollars were in, then invested in, in tobacco. And so if you want a company to, if you want to, if you buy shares of a company, you want that company to do well, right? right. And so an only way a tobacco company can really do well is by selling more tobacco, right. which of course, so you can kind of see how that, um, you know, really changes the view that someone would have. And so I'm not, the other thing you have to know is within responsible investing, you can also invest in those companies. And by being a shareholder, it gives you a seat at the table, which therefore gives you some, some, um, some advocacy, you can go out and, and actually um, implement change or request change or lobby for change within those companies. So there's a whole bunch of different ways to kind of look at it. But. 
Interesting. Well, that's it, that almost sounds like a whole another session for us. Yes. To <laughs> yes. I find that intriguing as well and unique. So um, I, I warned you, we're going to take a little bit of a, a left turn here and we're going to park sort of discussion around business and we're going to get to know you a little bit better. Um, so for you, what's the best way for you to start your day? Like when you get up, what, what, what are the musts that you must do to kind of get ready for your day? Oh man. Um, well, last night, my son who is four had a nightmare. And so he was in my bed from probably noon until, you know, five 30 when I woke up kicking me. So it was like, first thing was coffee. Yeah. <laughs> I need coffee. <laughs> I usually do some stretching. Um, you know, I'll, I'll, um, get myself ready and then my son ready and drop him off at school. And then I usually actually go down to Gillette Bay and do a little run. Oh, nice. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if you won the lottery, what, what would be one of the first things that you'd want to do? Oh my gosh. Depends how much the lottery was, <laughs> but if, if we're thinking like big, I would probably pay off my dad's house buy my mom a house. Um, then pay off my house. <laughs> and I would really, I mean, after COVID's over, I would love to be able to take my whole family on a trip. I've done a lot of traveling myself and, and a lot of my family members have never been able to do that. So I would love to take my son and my family and us all go on a trip. Awesome. If you, um, when we can go out, well, I guess we can, we can, but you're out and you find yourself at a karaoke night and someone shoves a microphone and says, you have to sing a song, what would be your song of choice? Oh my gosh. <laughs> we bought my son a karaoke mic for Christmas because he asked for it from Santa. So on New Year's, me and my mom sang for three hours. We sang karaoke songs. Oh my gosh. My poor husband. Um, so my song of that choice was Shallow <laughs> by Lady Gaga and, and Bradley Cooper, uh, which I found out later is, is actually the number one karaoke song for 2020. Really? Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Um, as you've been going through your career, is there someone that you really admire either in your work or from afar? Is there someone that you really look up to? Oh, so many people. Like I would, I would really say that early on, I had some really great mentors that were, um, that took a chance on me and I wouldn't be where I am today if they didn't do that. And, and they're so modest that they always say, oh, you were so great that we couldn't. But I, I, I really, truly believe that if they never gave me that option or that chance, that I would not be where I am today. That's great. It's good that you have those people in your life, right? So, yes. Um, if you were forced to eat one meal for the rest of your life, what would it be? Oh, God. <laughs> Can we go with like a like a type of dish? Like I would say Greek food. I could eat Greek food until for the rest of my day okay, i'm good for that yeah um it, when you have a day off if what's your favorite way to spend it oh hiking exploring we're really like every weekend every day off we're really out there trying to take it all in and it's definitely outdoors like that is my grounding space for sure um what was your very first job what did you do your very first one i bus tables at a hotel where was that in, in calgary <laughs> The Blackfoot Inn, if anyone knows that. I think I was like 13 or 14. That's funny. Um, if you could grab coffee with a famous person, either dead or alive, um, who would it be? Who, who would you want to meet with? Yeah, I've never, I've never really thought about this because it just seems like 
so out of reach. <laughs> um, I don't know. Probably some a woman of of um, you know of great stature. I don't. I'm not sure. Okay. Yeah. Um, you've, you said you traveled a lot. Um, what's, what's your favorite place you ever visited and love to go back to? Uh, there's so many, but I would say Fiji was so great. Like everyone there was so lovely. Like they would literally meet you one time and they would remember your name the whole time. Like just always smiling. Just what a beautiful place. That's awesome. And last question is if, if you weren't doing what you're doing right now, what would be your dream job? So you, let's say you can't do what you're doing right now. What would it be? Uh, I've always said that I would do, be doing like something financial, like CFO or something for like a nonprofit. That would be um, something that I would aspire to do. But if it was a dream job, I would say maybe, you know, um, a scuba diving instructor somewhere really nice, like Hawaii or something. That's cool. <laughs> Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you for playing along. That was good. Yeah. A couple questions before we wrap up is one of the ones is, uh, and I'm always curious is that uh, you seem like you're, you're, you, you love what you do. You got, you got excitement for what you do, but we all know, you know, there's struggles in work and there's struggles in business. What do you feel right now is one of the biggest struggles for you or in your current role today? Um. I mean, I think this is more of a personal thing. It's really time management. It's just been like so busy that um, maintaining that work-life balance is is challenging. I mean, these always, the first couple of months of the year is always very busy in the wealth space. Um, so it's our busy time of year. Yeah. And so it's just making sure that um, taking care of myself, you know, while also taking care of my family and, and my business, you know. Yeah. Well, and I think I, I'm a big believer that when you, when, when you feel good about yourself, you are a better husband and wife yes. and dad and we're like, it's that, that's so important. Right. So uh, that's I guess. why I do the runs every day. Cause I like, I need to do that to start my day off or it's just the, the day never turns out as great. If I don't do yeah, fair enough. Uh, and last question is, um, you know, over your, your career, I'm sure you've, you've talked to many businesses. So is there any examples that come to mind where, you know, you've given a second opinion and it's had a really major impact on a business or a business owner. Yeah, um, I think two examples really come up where um, they there was sort of no rhyme or reason to the way that investments were being held. And each of our, so if we look at RSPs or if you look at TFSAs or if you look at our hold codes, they all have their own uh, individual benefits. And, and if we maximize and we have maximized the benefits of each of those accounts, along with all the levers that you kind of get as, as maybe a, a corporation, right. um, that can really change the outlook. So I've had a lot of people believe that they're not able to invest within their OPCO or HoldCo, which is not the case. There, there definitely needs to be some caution and some mindfulness um, practice there, but um, it is absolutely an option. One of the greatest advantages to having a corporation is that you have tax deferral and therefore compounding. And so we all know that compounding is, is I think, what is uh, what does our friend Warren Buffett say? It's like one of the best things in the world, right? So if we can really use uh, the corporate structure to that advantage, then we can really change the picture, you know, ongoing. And then the other one would be to be um, I had a member that had some pretty strong um, feelings about societal issues. And, and when we did that second opinion, we found out that about 
7% of her portfolio was, was invested in companies and, and industries that she was really not okay with. And so that really changed, um, you know, the way that she felt about her money and the impact that she can have with that. That's an, it, it's, it's awesome to hear like tangible benefits like that, that you actually were able to, you know, for, for many reasons, sometimes it's financial, sometimes it's alignment, like the last one, right? Uh, which is so important. So I, I think the moral of the story today that there's lots of value in getting a second opinion. And, and you made, it's interesting, you say when people are making big decisions, usually you are, you're, you're exploring and looking at options. So why wouldn't you do that with, you know, with your investment? Because it is, it's going to eventually potentially be your, or your financial picture in general, your retirement, whatever it may be, your legacy. So um, I would encourage everyone to take the time reach out to Sheena, sit down, see where there's an opportunity really to improve what you're currently doing. And it's, it's really that simple. It sounds, it sounds pretty painless. It's a, it's a no lose situation. I think, I mean, aside from a couple hours again, and, and I know those hours are precious as a business owner, but yeah. Well, awesome. Well, Sheena, thank you so much for taking the time to talk today. I really enjoyed learning about the story on how you got to where you are in, in, in for sharing, uh, hopefully some information that's valuable to business owners that are listening. So. Yeah, absolutely. And if there's anything I didn't answer, please feel free to reach out um, directly. Awesome. Sounds great. Well, thank you so much. Thanks for joining. Uh, for everybody else, have a great rest of your day. And thank you for tuning in to Business Matters. Thanks, Sheena. Thanks for listening to another episode of Business Matters with host Rob Capello. If you're interested in being on the show, reach out to us and join the conversation. 